and welcome to another episode of BJ and Coffee. This is Jim, that's Bill, and yes, we're still drinking our non-sponsored Death Wish Coffee because, oh yeah, we love it. Yes, it's actually absolutely great. Jim, uh, if you want to go ahead and, uh, you know, do the house cleanup of where you can reach us. Yep, you can find us, as always, on Facebook at facebook.com slash BJ and Coffee. We're on Twitter at coffee underscore BJ, and of course, you can email us at BJ and Coffee at gmail.com. Uh, we are heard wherever you find your quality podcast, but we're hosted on Anchor.fm, and uh, you know, check them out if you're ever thinking about doing a podcast. Definitely worthwhile, as you heard in the beginning of the clip. Uh, today, we're actually coming back around to a little bit of COVID-19 business and looking at how local businesses are dealing with the changes that have been caused by the whole quarantine, self-isolation, and social distancing that seems to be the norm these days. Yes, uh, I reached out actually to uh, Vicky uh, Victoria um, at uh, Diamond Dolls, a gentleman's club here in Syracuse, New York, um, to uh, find out how they're actually handling uh, the uh, quarantine and the whole pandemic. Uh, Victoria, I want to welcome you to the show. Uh, yes, welcome. Th- thank you, um, thank you um, for uh, you know taking the time and uh, doing this. Um, so, so real fast, uh, could, you, could you tell us real fast, like, how things have changed for you guys real fast? Well, um, actually, everything's changed. Obviously, we have no dancers, no performers. Mm-hmm. So, but we've always had a full kitchen, so we have been doing food-to-go delivery. Um, we actually started the day after... Closed down. We started our own Uber Eats, having the girls deliver food. Nice, nice. Now, actually, I have a quick question because um, I was actually reading earlier before we got started that uh, Darwin on Clinton has just—they were in the news because they just closed down as of uh, yesterday, well, Friday, yesterday while we're recording, and they said it's because the the staff was not uh, that was still on was not able to qualify for unemployment benefits, including the $600 Federal CARES Act. Now, are your, I, I don't know how the business works, but are the performers considered employees, or are they like 1099 contractors so that they don't really qualify for the unemployment? Employees, yeah. Okay. So, um, they do qualify. I don't really, I haven't really discussed that with many of them um i'm not sure what they have done to be honest gotcha because i i would say it's i mean if they're making money i mean hey more power to them i mean i know personally my regular job is closed until further notice so i i feel the pain on that one it's um yeah it is it sucks i mean there's no there's no nice way to put it it straight up sucks and you know and, and unfortunately i'm still a classified as an essential worker so uh, <laughs> i still gotta work i go, still go to work every uh almost every single day so i, I wouldn't mind going to work every day trust me <laughs> i get bored easily <laughs> So, um, well, we've actually just taken advantage of being closed. Um, our customers, they'll come in and order food to go. So we have basically, we're just remodeling. And we have the time, so we're doing it in hopes of opening soon. 
Nice. That, I mean, awesome. That's actually that's a genius idea right there. I mean, I I never would have thought of that. But hey, you got the time and you got the space right. because nobody's coming in. So why not take the opportunity and you know do some stuff you wanted to do with the place? I get that. That that's right. genius. So many things we can't do when we're still up and running. Exactly. Absolutely. The uh, now, have you guys seen an increase in your uh, food business since all this, or has it been kind of the same, dropped out? How's it? <laughs> No, it's actually, it's dropped down quite a bit. Damn. Um, people are either, you know, staying home and cooking, or <laughs> we're competing with everyone right now. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I mean, even, I was joking about it today uh, with somebody that, um, my email, every other email I get these days seems like somebody saying, hey, these are our takeout specials. I have a catering menu. Um, okay. I've had a catering business for 25 years in the area. And I have taken that menu, and I've made it a lot smaller, and I'm doing everything family-style. That way, for a family of five or six, you can call up and order between 50 and $100. You can have dinner plus leftovers. Nice. Nice. That's actually that's a genius idea, actually. Yeah, see, I've just got two of us at home, so. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of leftovers. I have a lot of leftovers. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna remember that it's the next just, uh, it's, next it's week. It's really tough getting that out there because you know they're, they've set up Facebook pages and then we have our regular Facebook page. You know we have Instagram, but other than that, it's like how do you even get your name out there right now? It's tough. Well, that's why you know that's one reason why I kind of reached out to you guys because. You know, one of the things we're trying to do here at BJ and Coffee is we're really trying to reach out to local businesses, trying to do our part by trying to help promote them, and you know, it it helps out in a way to where you know our listeners can be like, oh, we're you know, if we want to order out, where can we order out from, you know, and then you know by doing that, it, it kind of helps out and be like, oh, we we don't want the same the same pizza place, <laughs> you know, because right. my kids, you know, they're they're sick of pizza, you know, so it's like, well, where are we gonna order from if we want to order out, you know, so. It's nice to, you know, have a variety of trying to get businesses involved that want to do this. And, you know, a lot of times I got to, you know, I got to call places and reach out to them and say, hey, do you want to, do you want to do this? Because we'll put you down on our, uh, on our Facebook page so people can see it. And we'll share it around too, you know, on our, on, on our end too. So, but yeah, this, this is the reason why we do this. We're trying to help out. We're trying to help out local businesses, the small businesses. And, you know, we know these corporations don't really need the help because people will go there anyways. But, and the other thing is... People are gonna get. People are getting bored. I mean, I've been watching our numbers go up the last couple of weeks, and a lot more than they normally go. Because normally there's a steady build on any any show like this, but the last couple of weeks has definitely gotten a lot bigger, a lot quicker. So I, I will say it's we, we want to do our part to help out all the local businesses. Well, we had Tiger so. King last week, so well, I think that, that's yeah. kind of helped out. That <laughs> <laughs> definitely helped out. Carol fucking Baskins, man. <laughs> I don't know if you watched that show or not, but I'll oh, tell you. Yeah, yeah, sure did. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, you know what? Off the subject, real fast. Who do you support? Do you think Carol Baskins killed her husband? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so like my, my wife has never actually seen it. She she said she started watching it. Even she's walking around today going, Carol fucking Baskins did it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, my. But I'll tell you, though, that was some genius right there with their timing. Actually, it was incidental, but their timing on that couldn't have been better. Oh, yeah, it was a great show. Wow. Um, but, yeah, no, we, like I said, thank you, Victor. We, you yeah, know, I want to thank you so much. We're glad you were willing to talk to us, but we, like I said, we want to give you guys the plug because um, I haven't, honestly, I haven't had the food from you guys in many years, but um, when I've, I did I've, have it, I know it was good, and I've, I still hear good, yeah, good about it. I mean, so. I, I even went on, and I, you know, I mean, the one thing I do is I try to go on to and check out people's Facebook reviews to make sure that, you know, or face, between Facebook and Google reviews um, to see what people are saying about restaurants, um, even yeah. before even before this whole pandemic. And I saw all good reviews, so I'm like, oh, this would be a great thing and, and stuff. And then somebody mentioned to me, he goes, uh, I think it was at work. I was at work, and uh, they told me, they're like, oh, hey, uh, you know, if you're looking for a place to order out, uh, you know, stop into uh, Diamond Dolls. And I'm like, oh, they're a gentleman's club. Aren't they closed? They go, oh, no, they're still serving food. Like, yeah. You know? so, and that's the other oh, thing. It's strange for some people to think of eating in a gentleman's club. But, I mean, like I said before, before I had anything to do with it, I've been a caterer in the area with a private chef um, yeah. for a lot of local families, which is how I ended up there because we have a beautiful kitchen, so I've been taking advantage of it. Well, that, that's, you know, that's, that's awesome that, you know, you, well, you're able to do what and, you're doing. And I will say, I mean, to be frank, I've never been a over, I've never been one to frequent gentlemen's clubs just personal things, nothing bad against it or any of that, but I will say I, I've always heard that Diamond Dolls had good food. That is one thing I've always heard. They said, even yeah. if you're not going for the girls, go for the food. So, yeah. that's always a you know, that's always a plus when And if you're crazy that. like me, you go for both. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Jim, that's just who I am. I, I like my cojones where they belong. <laughs> my funny thing is is I bring the wife with me so that's the best part yeah well <laughs> oh, see that's fun you have fun with that exactly that's you know I mean if you have a wife that's willing to go to a strip club with you that's I gotta say that's the best fun I ever had in my life oh yeah, I, I yeah. don't <laughs> and she decided to vacuum. God damn it. Oh, Lordy. I got to get some soundproofing down here. <laughs> well, that's what you get when you record a podcast in the basement. <laughs> well, that's what you get when you have an eight-year-old that wants to be a brat and they can sit there and tells me, she's like, oh, I want to screw with Bill today. True. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, Victoria, thank you again. I can talk today. We don't want to hold you up too long, but... Thank you for at least taking the time to let us know what you guys have going on. Um, so if people want to check out what you have to offer as far as food right now and down the road for other things, where should they go to find you? Um, Diamond Dolls, we have a Facebook page, Diamond Dolls Syracuse. Mm -hmm. And I also have my catering is under DP Restaurant. Gotcha. Okay. So we will so definitely get links to that up. Food, everything comes up DP Restaurant. Gotcha. So we will definitely get links to that up on our Facebook page for you as well and get that out there. And, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed that we can all get through this and uh, come out the other side smelling like roses. Perfect. Thank you, and I appreciate what you're doing for everyone. Thank you so much. You know, we're, we're just trying to do our best and, you know, trying to help everybody out. And, you know, we, we know the times are tough and, you know. and hey, If everybody does a little bit, we'll all get through. Exactly. That's it. That's it. That is it. 
really but, appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yep. Thank you so much. You have a very happy Easter. And stay safe and, and healthy. Yep. And stay safe and uh, safe and healthy. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Bye. Right. So, so again, I mean, you know, that was uh, that was uh, Victoria from uh, you know Diamond Dells, and uh, you know, if you're looking for a place to uh, order from, you know, here in the Syracuse area, New York area. You know, check them out. Uh, I, I know support a, local business, man. Support local businesses. I understand it's a gentleman's club, ladies, but you know what? As of right now, it shouldn't matter. It's, you know what? Here's the thing. The think about it this way: is whether you agree with performers of that nature or not. At this point, it's not about the performance. It's about people trying to make a paycheck. And I will say this: I, in, in all honesty. I have never heard anything but absolute awesomeness about the food there. Um, and it's been a while, but I'm actually it, thinking it, that one of these days I may have to order from there just to, just for the food, it, you know? And it's not just that. It's, you know, it, I'm a firm believer in what Google reviews and what Facebook reviews say. Amen. Okay? Um, because you know what? Those are the people who've been there. Mm-hmm. I look at the reviews. I look to see how many. When I do, when I, when I look at the reviews, I try to read all of them. Okay, I try to see if like okay. For example, your wife has a small business, um, and I'll put it out there. I mean, uh, Pet Styles. Um, I've looked at your guys' reviews before. We, um, I will tell you something. We actually for twenty nineteen, I've top rated local man. Exactly, but not just that. But I've looked at your guys' reviews. Out of every single review I've ever read. Mm-hmm. It's only been one negative review. Oh, don't even get me started on yeah, that. Yeah, we're not going to get started on that. But that, I'm, just, I'm, I, just, I'm, just, say, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just I actually, saying. I, I do want to say, I actually, since you brought that up, let, let's go into that for a minute because I want to say something about that. Not that particular review, yeah, but don't in go, general. Don't get into the story. Just In general, as somebody that does social media I'm marketing for you. Right I'm a bad influence. Yeah, you know? I know. What the fuck? Forget about it. Forget about <laughs> it. Um, as somebody that does social media marketing for a living and marketing in general and online presence management and all that stuff, um, those crap reviews that you will get once in a while... Um, or just someone being an asshole. Not, not always. Um, sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes, yes. sometimes there's a legitimate concern there. So, so if you take a, you have to take a look at each bad quote unquote review, and you really need to take a hard look at it because I mean, I'm talking to people that manage these things, business owners, anybody that has anything to do with them. You need to take a long, hard look at them, and I'll tell you why. Because not everyone is just somebody being a fucktard asshole. Some of them are legitimate complaints, and oh, excuse me, oh, sorry, lunch is not agreeing with me today. Um, I'll get into that later. <laughs> um, but sometimes, I mean, it, there's times when the person has a legitimate complaint. And it can be a good learning experience. And if you bring that person in on making the, you know, on resolving the issue, if you include them, you can get somebody that in the long run could change that review. That is your your ultimate hope. If it's somebody that has a legitimate issue, you're hoping that they can change that review. Sometimes you're going to get somebody that just can't, nothing will ever make them happy. They're just going to be an asshole and give you a one-star review just to fuck with you because they feel like it that day. Exactly. And, that's what and you're unfortunately, get to. those are a lot harder to deal with. Um, 
you can try and play. I mean, honestly, my usual response is to go on, you know, investigate. If it's just somebody having a shit day, decide to shit all over everybody else's parade, then I will respond as such. Um, not mean, not nasty, but very polite, very pleasantly, and make it very clear that we did everything we could to make them happy and they were just a fucking asshole. But in a polite way. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and, and here's the thing, like with the shop, that one bad review we had, here's here's I'm gonna I'm not gonna get into it into it, but the thing is it was something that was handled, was dealt with, and six months later the person decided they're gonna make a one star review after never returning any phone call, after you know multiple attempts on our end to reach out to this person. And, and that's what I was gonna say real fast. Um you know, you get one. You get that one person that will sit there and make up a fucking review, now, and just want to take and um, bash a business. You know, just because and they just feel because they're they, having a bad day. Just because they're having a bad day. And, um, here's the, and some people will do it because they think they're going to get something out of it. Exactly. Um, there, there's, quite a few, there's quite a few people out there that do that because. I know a woman that used to do it all the time. She used to, you know, take a 20-ounce bottle of fucking soda, for for matter of fact. That's a 2-liter bill. Well, 2-liter, 20-ounce, whatever. Good thing we're not on video. And she's, <laughs> yeah, I know, really. <laughs> if that freaking 2-liter was filled to the brim, yep. and then she got another one that was, say, filled to here, yep. she would call up fucking Pepsi and get fucking free shit just because, oh, I got one that wasn't filled all the way. Yeah, but you see, and here's the thing. You know, big corporations like Pepsi, Coke, Which she used to talk about... She did at rest, local restaurants, too. But yeah, to your, your big corporate places, they can afford to do that. Your local small businesses, even your local small businesses that have more than one location, they're still a local small business. They can't always afford to do that because what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of these businesses, that profit margin is so tight that exactly. trying to step outside and make everybody happy is ineffective. You know, I ordered, the other day I ordered, I ordered out, this is no lie, okay? I ordered out and I ended up getting a, a cheesesteak sub. Now when I get a... I, I, I ordered a whole sub. Whole sub is, what, 12 inches long? Well, it depends. If you go to Subway, it's 11. Well, we know that. <laughs> shit, they don't know how to measure shit there. Oh. But, <laughs> but, but I will say this. Our local Subway, they're, they're a good bunch there because every once in a while I'll bring that up and we all get a good laugh out of it. Exactly. But, you know, you go to any freaking sub shop or restaurant that sells subs, okay? I got a steak, a Philly cheesesteak sub. A whole one. So I'm thinking, okay, 11 or 12 inches. We'll, we'll say that. <laughs> Guess how long it was. Um, well, if you asked your wife, she'd probably say it was 14 inches. But in reality, it was probably a lot less. Because I know how women can be misled by guys telling them that this is, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're, not, we're not going down that road. We're, not, we're just not going down that road today. Nope, nope, anyway, nope, nope, nope. Was it six it inches? Was, it was four. <laughs> wow. That's like a slider. It was supposed to be my fucking dinner. That's like a fucking slider, man. I literally <laughs> was fucking starving by fucking 9 o'clock that night. So I literally, I was fucking eating fucking jello and pudding the rest of the night. Because <laughs> I didn't feel like making anything else. Oh, lordy. So I had fucking some butterscotch pudding in the fucking fridge, and I probably ate about four Dude, of them. You need an air fryer. 
I need a lot of fucking things. But, but let me tell you, last night. As of right now, I can't really afford it because my fucking hours got cut down to 35 hours a week now. And gotcha. I can't go over it, so um, fucking assholes. I, I will say, last night I actually, I was like, I had eaten early, early dinner. So it was later on, I was doing some projects, and I was working on a project for um, a local group, and one that will actually go in my portfolio, but... The um, outside was like, you know, dinner was a long time ago. So I'll tell you, we got these little mini non breads. I dug those out, threw them in the air fryer, put a little dab of garlic paste on them, and a piece of provolone cheese. Let me tell you, five minutes at 350, woo, that was some good stuff, man. It was like garlic toast. But, (laughs) but yeah, it's, uh, so back to the reviews thing though I mean I will admit I I can be pretty savage on people when the the service is that bad um, I, I won't even deny that I but I will say this when that company reaches back out and says we're acknowledging there was a problem can you give us more information I give them more for information and they say okay we are going to address this. We've done this. We've done that. When they, I will happily go back and change my review and bring it up. Why? Because it shows that the company cares about the customer experience. And that, I think, is the key to maintaining a good reputation online. Um, I mean, if you, because, like I said, you're going to occasionally, you're, you're going to have not just people coming in and customers are having a shit day, you're going to have employees having a shit day sometimes, and sometimes they don't leave it at the door, which is where it should be left. You know, I've, it happens, and I think we've all been there on both sides of that fence, and I'll tell you, sometimes it, it just happens, and you just have to basically use it as a learning experience and move forward, make things better. So... <sighs> That being said... <laughs> Sorry, I had to send us text real fast. No worries. Um, had to take care of a little issue. <laughs> An eight-year-old issue. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, and people wonder why I say one and done, man. I, I am good. I do not need any more small children in my life other than nieces well, and nephews. I, I know we said that we weren't going to get really into the corona talk. Um, but... Only if there's lime and salt. Yeah, unfortunately, there's no lime and salt in this one. Damn! <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I, I got a friend that lives out in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, he's a former resident of the village we live in. Um, and I'm actually going to give him a call. I called him earlier today to see if he wanted to be on the show, and he agreed to it. So I'm going to call him now, and we're going to get him on the show. Okay, I'm actually going to pause this till we get him on, and then we'll go from there. Sounds good. And we're back again, Bill. I'll let you uh, introduce our next guest. Yes, uh, I, I know we said on this podcast that we wouldn't talk again about, uh, you know, we would try to stay off the topic of COVID-19. Um, I know we're all sick of hearing about it from the news and from, you know, our pol- our local and state and federal politicians. But, uh, you know, I, I got a good friend of mine on the podcast. Uh, I talked to him earlier in the day. Asked him if he'd come on. He knows quite a bit about it. Um, if I remember right, we talked. I believe he also had it himself. Um, he's going to kind of share some information with us on it um, and how he dealt with it um, and exactly what it is that uh, we probably 
that we don't know about it that uh, our wonderful politicians are not telling us about it. So I want to welcome uh, my good friend Nick um, to the show. Nick, thank you for uh, you know doing this with us today. Oh, thank you for having me, Bill. Oh, not a problem. You know, I, I'm I'm kind of glad that you know I we got a chance to you know really speak on this uh, a few days ago and uh, what was going on and and stuff like that and you know it put a lot of thought in my head to to do this uh, today um, and it over the last few days um, and I, I told Jim about it and, and stuff like that and, and Jim was like oh yeah let's do it you know because I'm sick it. I'm sick and tired of all the bullshit yeah. being shoveled too yeah <laughs> we're, we're sick of the bullshit being shoveled around and stuff like that uh, maybe you maybe you can. Enlighten our listeners real fast. You know how you dealt with. Um, I know you talked to me about you know how you had it um, and how you realized you you know you had the uh, COVID. So if you let our listeners know, that'd be kind of great. You know what what happened. Okay. Um, well, first off, I went to a dinner. It was in the last week of January, um, and in that week, uh, right after I had dinner, I came home. I was all happy and everything and then the next morning I woke up and I did not feel well at all Uh, the symptoms were not like a cold nothing like a cold Um, you know I didn't have any sinus infection Uh, I virtually had a light raised fever but other than that uh, just didn't feel myself so anyways when I came out to Las Vegas 14 years ago from Salve, obviously, Syracuse area, uh, I went to work for a hospital down in Las Vegas, and in that time, met up with a lot of hospitalists, and these are traveling doctors that work in ERs, and uh, throughout the time, got to know a lot of them uh, in the five years that I was there, and I keep in touch with them. Well, anyways, I called one of them up in Idaho, and I said, geez, Doc, I'm really not feeling too well. And he said, describe the symptoms. I told him, I said, other than the fact that, you know, not only uh, did I feel well, he said, well, how's your taste? And I said, virtually, I don't have one. I said, I, I don't even have one. I said, there, everything I eat tastes like cardboard. So anyways, he said, well, he says, uh, have you got a script for any antibiotics? I said, yeah. He said, well, start taking them and let's see where we go from there. But of course, he's talking to me from Idaho and I'm here in Las Vegas. So uh, anyways, I did them for three days, called him back. I said, uh, Doc, I said, this has not changed. I said, and now I feel like I've got something on my chest. He says, okay, he said, there's a virus going around. And he said, uh, there's nothing right now other than the fact to let it run its course. And I said, okay. He says, if it gets bad enough, you're going to have to go in. And I said, all right. So the first week I got through fine. You know, I mean, I say fine in the sense that I was coughing a lot, no sinus infection, no fever, but the fever would happen when I got up and walked around. If I went outside thinking I could do something, it was like it hit me like sweat and just crazy. I came back in, laid down sat around, watched TV, whatever, was couch-bound. So now we go into the second week, and the cough is getting worse. And there's nothing that is dripping. I have no sinus drip, anything like that. Uh, Other than the fact you'd start coughing, and you didn't know when you were going to stop. So I called him again. He said, definitely you've got a virus, and how do you feel, and this and that. We went through all of that. 
Uh, same thing I said at this point. I said, it feels like I got an elephant on my chest. And he said, okay. He said, I want you to call me tomorrow if it continues. So that night uh, I took and I went over to Walmart and I got some expectorant just to try it. Usually an expectorant is uh, used for congestion and that. So even though my sinuses weren't congested, it was like a throat congestion. And uh, heavy lungs just felt real, real heavy. So anyways, still coughing, can't stop it. No matter what you do, you can't stop it. I would drink the expectorant, you know, a shot full of it, a glass, or a little shot thing that they give you with it to drink it. And it would slow it down. And then little by little, it would come back again same thing well finally about five days before it ended i virtually had one incident where i started coughing and i coughed solid for a half hour not knowing if i was going to catch my breath that was i think the worst part of it after that it went down and away and it left and gone never going to a hospital uh, never anything like that but i can see that if you had a respiratory issue, if you had COPD, uh, if you had uh, were a smoker, heavy smoker, which I'm not, uh, anything like that, uh, yeah, you would be wanting to get to the hospital uh, because of not being able to breathe. Uh, but other than that, uh, made it through, I'm fine, been out and around and whatever, do I have fear of it? Uh, absolutely not at this point. I've been through it. Uh, do I have antibodies towards it? I don't know. Uh, medically speaking, I would say to anybody, if you're feeling that, exactly what I described, and you have other issues and other medical things that are going on, uh, if you're fighting some kind of a disease or, uh, you know, I would get to a hospital. But if you've got a fever and it's a constant fever, it's not, it's not COVID-19. It's not that. There is no, none of that. If you haven't lost your taste, it's not that. If you have sinus drip and that kind of thing, you're going through the spring allergies or whatever. But, Amen. Uh, not, not the, uh, not the COVID-19. So that was my experience in this stuff. So I did a lot of research, been doing a lot of research, uh, a lot of things going on. And I tell people, hey, you know, uh, if, if you're down, if you're feeling down, you're feeling bad, yeah, mask up, definitely glove, definitely uh, use uh, hand sanitizer, but we should be doing that anyways, you know, when we're out and about. Absolutely. So. Yeah, and I, I will say as somebody, um, I, Nick, you, you don't know much about me personally, but I spent most of my, I spent 24 years of my life working as an EMT and working in healthcare. And the the sheer volume of ignorance regarding personal protective equipment just boggles my brain some days. And, and I'm watching people out there that think that this uh, strip of cloth over their face is going to save their life. And it's like, <laughs> dude, what you don't realize is you breathe into that for five minutes and it's already the... the the humidity in your breath soaks into the the fabric, and now that fabric is going to transmit anything that comes in contact with it straight through. That that's just sure, yeah. how it works. You, you know. have created an incubation habitat for it. Exactly. And every time you breathe in, you're breathing it in again and again and again. 
Exactly. And like you say, once it gets wet, it's done. Um, now, the thing that I have found out that yes, it's it's a uh, based on its characteristics of COVID nineteen. It is a biomilitary virus. Now, again, first off, because the fact it lives outside the body too long. It's not like the common cold. It's not anything like that where common cold will die off in a short period of time laying on a counter. This doesn't. This sits around for a while. This could be two, three, five days mm-hmm. and still be there. The other thing is is that it's not replicating, which means changing. Now, that's uh, it, it doesn't change. It's staying the same. And yet, we all know we get a cold from somebody, and we got different issues with it. This thing is identical from person to person to person. So that means that it is something that has been fabricated, something that is used for military use, uh, and it's here. So Exactly. And I, I was saying earlier, I said uh, while we were talking before we started recording again, is that I find it interesting that if you actually do the, the research into it, Wuhan, China is actually home to one of their top five bioweapon research facilities. And above and beyond that even is the fact that China was dealing with the riots there right before all this happened. And suddenly, it's a non-issue. It, it kind of makes you, I mean, you don't even have to be a conspiracy theory buff to, to look at the, the way things just kind of fall together on that. You know? Correct. It's, uh... It, it just, too many things add up, you know? Yep. And, and on the other side of it, you know, there's so many things that I tell people about it that I talk to, and, uh, you know, both radio and and uh, personally speaking, you know, going out doing uh, motivation speaking and things like that. People will ask me, well, what do I know about it? And I tell them right off the bat, you know, this thing here is going to change our lives forever. This is not just a, let's get through the two weeks or whatever weeks that are deemed on you by the imperial uh, decrees that each state wants to put on people, uh, you know, which virtually is not going to stop it. It's going to be here for quite a while. Uh, From the last checkup that I saw was 18 months out before they could even put together a vaccination for it. And even then. The only way they're going to know is by testing the, the uh, vaccination. And they're going to use us as humans to test it. Well, exactly. they're going to have to give it to you. And then they're going to have to test you to see if they can get rid of it after they gave it to you. <laughs> Got to love being a test. This, yes. uh, so, I mean, so, so where are the test dummies? Will change, will change America forever. Forever. You know, they said 9-11, when 9-11 happened, it was going to change a lot of things. Yeah, it did. You know, we can look back and say, well, what did it change? TSA, uh, it changed uh, so many things that, you know, today somebody mentioned something about something, and bingo, next thing you know, the... Uh, the uh, uh, Homeland Security is coming to talk to you. <laughs> now, do you think that, uh, you know, that... Uh, our politicians that are, you know, in state and, you know, federal are doing the right things to stop it in its tracks? Or do you think they should be doing more? 
No, they aren't. A lot of this stuff right now, if we looked at each state individually, look at the problems within the state, and then look at what they're trying to do to fight this thing. Now, I don't care which state you take. If you were to look at New York, obviously, you're there. Uh, I left there 14 years ago. I left there for the same reason where it's at right now. Uh, it's it, They're trying to stock up on stuff for what reason is to sell it later on to the highest bidder. They're taking federal-issued equipment and turning it into cash well, okay, because they've got problems. Cuomo wanted to come to central New York and take our our PPE and ventilators by force if necessary. Exactly. Now, what are they going to do with it? They're going to warehouse it just like they did with all the other stuff they found. That They go, oh, look at this, what we got. We got a whole warehouse of stuff. Now, here's here's an interesting correlation I'm going to throw out there. Um, My wife is, uh, my wife's uh, father's side is Puerto Rican, from Puerto Rico. And... The interesting thing is that Cuomo keeps like playing the Puerto Rico card, like he wants to go down there and help them out. They had the same issue. They found a whole bunch of stuff that got stashed from back when they had the hurricane, stashed in warehouses that nobody knew about. They were claiming the government was claiming that nobody was sending them any help. So now New York is seeing the same thing. Does that, that kind of makes you question a few things? Why is he trying to be the governor of Puerto Rico and not New York? Exactly. They, they already got rid of one corrupt guy, but they don't need another one. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Right. And on the, on the other hand, too, is if it's so busy and there's so much going on in New York, why is he spending anywhere between two to four hours on TV? Is he trying to be a movie star? we got enough actors out here in Hollywood. Exactly. And, 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 and my problem is here with this is, from what I'm seeing, okay, because, I mean, here in Syracuse, we had over 400 and, what is it, 450? Something like that. I lost Something track. like that. We have, like, 400 and, we have over 400 cases, okay? And the one thing I like what our, our county uh, representative has done now is he's showing the recoveries um, when he does his presentations. Um, and I'm seeing the numbers of recoveries are going up. Yep. And the people that are being uh, uh, being affected by this are going down. Well, I, I got to throw in one caveat to that, too, is that a lot of people don't realize that a lot of the, like, the quote-unquote new cases that are popping up, some of these tests are taking up to two weeks to come back. So when he's saying, oh, we've got 150 new cases... Yeah, you had 150 new cases two weeks ago. What do you have now? And how many of those people have already recovered and moved on with life? So, I mean, the the number rate is... And and where I'm going at is our governor is not showing us the recovery rate. He's only showing us... Doom and gloom, doom and gloom. Yes, he's, he's, he's doing his little scare tactics of showing us, oh, well, we're hitting our apex and our numbers are going sky high and... We need to do this, and we need to change that. And you know, what about the four hundred thousand plus? That was just like several, probably four or five days ago. I was looking at that. The four hundred thousand plus that have recovered and moved on, Mr. Governor. And, and you know, and and then not just that, but um, I I had a, uh, I'll say it. He's he's a Democrat. He made a post on Facebook uh, a few days ago, saying about how the coronavirus is going back into China. So I pulled up the coronavirus website and screenshotted the 
that day's uh, numbers. Well, kind of funny that China is at 93% recovered and going up still. And, and here's the other thing that I'm just going to throw out there, talking about the websites and such. World Health Organization, no political alliance really, and yet every time you try to share something from them to Facebook, from their website to Facebook, within a couple of hours, Facebook has removed it. Right. Makes, makes you think. Wonder, makes you wonder who's in their pocket. Yep. Well, the other thing is, too, is let's let's say this for a few minutes here. Why did the CDC come out and say and state and sent the, the uh, statement out that if anybody has anyone that has passed away of a respiratory or complications, too, we're going to list it as COVID-19? And I said, wait a minute. How many people are out there dying from a disease? That Yeah, this might have been something that may have brought it on quicker, but they didn't die of it. They died of complications from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, and honestly, I, I'll take a throwback to when I first got my EMT card. Um, HIV was the big thing. Um, I mean, we knew so little about it back then. But over the years, we've learned a lot more about it. But I've also had a lot of friends who, I, you know, people who are very close to me I've lost over the years because of, again, complications. I, I had a very good friend who he, it was actually pancreatic cancer that killed him, but the pancreatic cancer was caused by the uh, retroviral trial drug that he signed up to trial. And his thing was, you know, he says, it's killing me, but if they learn something to help somebody else, I'm okay with that. But still, it's it's the same concept, though, is that it's not the actual disease itself. It's It affects something else and, you know, causes that other issue to be what kills somebody. Right. And you had really? a good point when you said about the testing, because there again, if the CDC does not have adequate testing right now, how can they even think to say that people are dying from COVID-19 when they don't even have the testing equipment to do that? And that's talking about Nevada, where I am. We don't have the equipment. They don't have the test equipment here to test that. Even the governor came out and said it. But he's labeling these deaths as being COVID-19. Now, to me, that's fairy tales. Now, I ask, I ask the question this. Why are they doing or making statements that aren't true, but yet playing on the fears of people? And I always said this, if you could get people in fear for their life, you can control people. And if we look at the controls that have been put on people, you know, they're willing to stand in line six feet apart. They're willing to take and go for a few things, not everything that they need. They're willing to stay in their house locked up for a month straight and not leave. So what was what would have caused that to happen before COVID-19? Nothing. They'd have said, stay home. You'd have said, hey, I'm going golfing today. Exactly. I'm going out with the guys tonight, or I'm going out dancing, or I'm going skating, or I'm going to go bowling. I'm going to do all of this stuff. But once they put the fear of death into the picture, then they've got control, and they can control everything. The mad buying, the mad hoarding, that was the fear of death that you may not get that before. And I want to ask one question. What did people do 
1929 for toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> I think they used their hand. Yep, and washed well, it all afterwards. I, I, I'm gonna, I'll tell you this. They used old clothes. Grandma chopped up old clothes, and they used that. And then eventually, that brought on diapers for kids. Exactly. Okay, and now you want to talk about something. Let's look at, you know what, uh, women's hygiene products. What did they use in 1929? Those weren't out there. Nope, that was all reusable, washable. Exactly. The same thing is when we grew up, and I'm speaking for myself, uh, my, my parents used diapers. Yeah, mine and did too. Diapers, I mean, uh, you washed them, and that was it. You didn't have these, uh, you know, these uh, pampers and all this other stuff going on. Oh hell no! I actually, the funny part is, when I was older, it was, um, you know, obviously my brother. I have a brother three years younger than me, but we were both born. I was born in the early seventies. He was mid seventies, and you know up into the, you know, get into the 80s, and suddenly we're out in the garage helping Dad with something, and he pulls out a rag, and you're looking at it, that's an old diaper, you know, and, and that's what it, it was. They You would wash them and reuse them. It's, it's, it's funny you say that, sure. because I remember my parents had a shitload of those when I was probably... Literally, Maybe literally a shitload. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, were, they were washed. Um, hey, Bill, were you wearing them? When I was a baby, believe it or not, my my parents actually used actually used cloth diapers. That's right, cotton diapers, and they were from a rental company because that came on later on in time. And exactly. my my mom and my father later on, when both you know my sister and I were older, decided to take those cloth diapers and use them for rags or to wash mm-hmm. dishes with or exactly you know whatever because you know what they're still good. Exactly, it, it's a good cloth, cotton, you know. Dust, and I was born. And I was born in 82, so, you know, I mean, think about it. I mean, there was diapers back then, you know. There was pampers, you know. So, I mean, but my, my mother decided to, you know, well, fuck this, I'll use cloth diapers because, you know, they're reusable. I could just throw them in the wash. I don't have to go to the store all the time and, you know, buy diapers or worry about, you know, my son or my daughter getting fucking a rash because of, you know, the oils or the scents that they put in the damn things. You know, and, sure. and, and it was just stupid. And, you, want, you want to hear a funny side note on that? The stuff that they use for disposable diapers is the same stuff they use to make those Orbeez that soak up all the water and get like the little balls. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. My kids love them. It's the same material. <laughs> That's the <laughs> fucked up part. Now uh, you think about that. Okay, what happens once the diaper became unusable? What did it do? <laughs> uh, yeah. It was a mess. <laughs> Finger painting. Okay, but what what did the family do with it then? The uh, the reusable ones that we talking the cloth diapers. The, no, I'm talking about the cotton diapers that you know were that that virtually uh, was the uh, prelude to okay. uh, ampers. Yeah, they were they were washed until and if they weren't usable anymore, they became a rag or they got moved on to something else. They would be sprayed with a type of oil and even used for dusting. They were used for washing the floors. Yep. They were used for washing the top of the stove where the the old wood stove got dirty. 
they take and they wipe the stove with it. I mean, there were so many uses for that stuff that people didn't get rid of them. And today, okay, let's look at paper towels. Okay, we didn't have paper towels. I didn't grow up with that stuff. And people are all hoarding paper towels. I'm going, wait a minute, let's look at dish towels. What happened? That, that is an ongoing, um, we'll say spirited discussion in my house because I am a firm believer in the reusable hand towel hanging off the oven handle, whereas the wife has go. to have her paper towels. Okay, this is, this is for the people of Salve, okay? Uh, when when I was a kid growing up, there was a towel hanging off of each chair, and it was called a mapine. And everybody used one. Oh, my God. The, um, yes, I'm trying to, because, like, oh, God, that takes me back a few years. My dad's family um, actually immigrated from Italy, and I remember yep. as a kid we'd go over there, and the there was that towel on the back of the chair, and I, I didn't even think about it until you said Mapine, and I was like, oh, my God, yes. That's what those were called. <laughs> It wasn't napkins on the table. There were my peens on the back of the chair. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. Yeah. I, I was a, that was a flashback. <laughs> I never knew that actually because I grew up in a I grew up in a small Italian town, in, uh, Frankfurt, New York, and I never understood. Like I used to go to like you know a lot of like friends' houses and stuff like that with my parents growing up, and you know being in a it, it, Frankfurt was kind of just like it was just like Salve, um, and. You know, you, you go to a little Italian, little little old lady Italian's house, and she's got like you know, six to ten chairs set up at like a dining room table, and each chair behind it had a towel behind it, and it's like, what the hell? What is that for? And I never knew it until I never knew until then. I'm not an Italian, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? When you came down with a cold. What did they do? They rubbed you down and Vicks were up on your chest, oh under my your God. lip, I mean, under your nose, on your forehead. If, if, if we came down in, in my family, if you came down with a cold in my family, now, you know, my family's Swedish, okay? okay. My great-great-grandfather great, my great, great grandfather came from Stockholm, Sweden, back in 18... back in the 1800s, mid-1800s. And... One thing that they used to do was hot water, lemon juice, and uh, I think it was I think it's liquor. And you would drink the hot water as hot as you could get it with a shot of liquor and lemon juice added to it. And what you would do is you would drink that and it would take any common cold out of you. And that's what Swedish, the Swedish people used to do. That was that was their cure for any cold. And now, if you could do it and deal with it, because you would wake up in a fucking cold ass sweat to where you know your blankets would be soaked, your pillows would be soaked. You know. Um, sure. I've only done it once. I've never done it after that, because you know after after that one time of everything being soaked from a cold sweat. It, it, Trust me, it, it, everything's wet. <laughs> and um, but you know, afterwards you feel great. But that's what yeah. they used to do. There was no going to see a doctor to get a prescription for, you know, antibiotics. There was none of that shit. 
The um, I, I mean, well, to this day, I still, honestly, if I feel like a cold... My aunt still does it today. I, I will take the hot, hot, hot shower, throw a little vapor rub on, and bundle up in my bed for 12 hours, and I, I'll be feeling fine when I get out of bed. My aunt does it today. My freaking, my father, before he passed away, he did it all, all of his life. I'm like, hey, if it works for you guys, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Of course, a fifth of brandy doesn't hurt either, but... <laughs> Yeah, well, you know. Well, the old, the old days. You've seen my drunk videos. I'm kid, good. When I was a kid, they take and they boil some water with, uh, with, um, oh, it was the same stuff that's in. Well, they used Vicks vapor rub, and they would put a tablespoon of that in there. Yep. They boil the water, and then you'd put a towel over your head and over the steam. Yep. Yep. You'd my off the stove and, my mother learned and, that. My mother learned that from my godparents because both my godparents were both Italian. And uh, my yeah. mom was sicker than a dog with a freaking nasty cold one time. And she was all plugged up and sinuses were all bothering her and shit like that. And my godmother came over and freaking boiled freaking water. And I'm looking at her like, what the hell are you boiling water? Just water for And she had a bottle of freaking Vicks Vapor Rub. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and next thing you know, my mother's got her freaking head over this boiling water with a towel over her head. And I'm like... And she'd get, she'd, about five minutes later, she'd get up and she's like, I feel great. I'll tell you, yeah. and VIX is such a great thing because even when I worked as an EMT, you would never, that was part of my everyday carry was a small little jar of VIX Rub because if you walked into one of those scenes, a little bit of dab of that on your mustache and you don't smell a thing. That's wonderful. <laughs> right. Literally. That'll cover up anything, let me tell you. <laughs> you got that right. Oh my how about god! The, how about the onion on the, on the heel? I've never tried that, but I've heard it. Um, It'll actually take the toxins out of you, and I'm surprised somebody isn't trying it with COVID nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> well, here here's the interesting thing, and the uh, NIH actually has three or four studies showing that propylene glycol has the virucidal properties that could basically work on the COVID-19 virus. So I keep I keep bowing my vape because propylene glycol is a, one of the main components of vape liquid, like legitimate stuff. And I said, I feel great. I mean, <laughs> I feel great because uh, a six years of that versus smoking has really been a good thing. But on top of that, I'm like, hey, I'm also uh, working to keep myself healthy through all this, too. So, I got to take putting, Putting oil on the floor and trying to make that as a treadmill doesn't work. No. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'll take you someplace that, that'll make you start thinking about things. Uh, what about heat? Well, they have already stated that uh, heat and uh, ultraviolet will kill the virus. That's why your warmer okay. areas... They said at 153 degrees, a virus can't sustain at 153 oh, degrees. This one's much lower. Uh, but that's why oh, yeah. your tropical areas haven't seen as much of an impact. Um, right. Which makes me question, why are tanning salons shut down right now? 
Because <laughs> right. that's nothing but ultraviolet rays. Well, it's funny because now when you when you walk into a store, have you gone to Walmart or Target or... Unfortunately, well, I usually sit in the car because with, my seasonal allergies kicked in about two weeks before this all started. So I've given up on going in stores right now because I sneeze or cough and people look at me like I'm patient fucking zero and my we tolerance were, for stupidity is gone. Okay, so Lisa and I were in the store the other day um, and we were at Walmart. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> it is what it is. We walked in and we had to take our jackets off our jackets off because it was fucking roasting in there because they got the heat so high up. Yep. And it's like but yet they're worried about social distancing. Ain't nobody getting sick in fucking Walmart because they got the heat fucking sky high. <laughs> The um, but yeah, it's and that's why I said if you really start looking at the numbers, your tropical areas have a significantly lower issue with this versus area, your more temperate areas like you know New York specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I think the social distancing thing's a little joke, but that's well, just my opinion. The, now here's you know take it one step further. Now here's the interesting thing is you get places like Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico being an American territory can't get any help with this and i was watching a, a news report yesterday about this where they were talking to the governor and i'm trying to remember the title the guy's title he's like the minister of health or something like that and he says they're they've got their biggest problem is trying to order supplies to do things they can't compete with the federal government or the state governments that are ordering massive you know quantities whereas they're just a small island trying to get what they need and you know so even people like them it's like you know they're trying to deal with it as best they can but they're getting screwed on the deal too right well okay here's the thing though but look at their numbers though Puerto Rico is a pretty they can't, hot area. They well, that's the thing. They don't know for sure because they can't get the supplies to do the testing. That's so true. it's all it's all guesstimates right now. I think if you saw them getting the supplies they need to do the testing, you would see those numbers drop dramatically. Because it's everybody with a cold is being labeled as COVID nineteen right now. Well, see that's that's the other thing, and and uh, that's where a lot of these governors mm. are really making it, you know, going back to the governors real fast, making it really hard of what to believe because you have the Connecticut governor who came out and said, you know, a toddler passed away from COVID-19 and when really he passed away from a tragic accident. Um, right. So so what do you believe? You know, I mean... It, it, you it's, know. The same, it's the same death threat stuff that the New Jersey governor's coming out with doing the same thing. You know, if we don't do this, if we don't do that, you know, if all the if you don't stay home, if uh, all the threats, and yet they don't even have a clue of what they got. Exactly, and that that's uh, that's yeah. my biggest complaint in this whole thing is that everybody's running their mouths and nobody actually knows what the hell they're talking about. You know, and, and I gotta I gotta I just gotta say this. I'm gonna put a shout out real fast to President Trump, and I'm I'm gonna lose listeners for this, but I don't give a shit. President Trump, I personally, in my personal opinion, has done an amazing job with this whole COVID-19. Um, he's put things back as putting things on the actual governors to run their states the way they should be run. Um, he's leaving it for them to decide what it is they should do state by state, we'll say. Um, no matter if you're in Las, you know, Las Vegas, Nevada, or if you're in Syracuse, New York. You know, or 
for some reason you're in Tampa Bay, Florida. Uh, and I think that's really... Hashtag Buccaneers. Yeah. Sorry. I, I really think that's what needed to be done was to put it back on the governors of each state and say, you know what, you guys do with your state what it is that you need to do to try to stop the spread. Um, I'm not going to make a call and shut down every state, he goes, because I don't want to start a war. It, I'm going to say this. I, I Per se. We'll say a war per se. Yeah. He's had his moments, and, and I'm not knocking the guy on this, but he's had his moments, but I will say this. I'm very happy to see that he is giving information, but he's also trying to throw some positives out there. Because here's the thing. From purely a psychological perspective, people need hope. They need to see the light at the end of a tunnel, and he is making sure that he's turning that light on. Whereas you get idiots like Cuomo, they don't bother with the light. They're like, fuck it, you're in the tunnel, you're not coming out. And that's what really annoys because you can, you know, you can rule through fear, but you should lead through hope and, and you know, positivity. And that's the difference. Are you are you on the same page as that, or or do you do you see something different? Exactly. I, I, you know, the one thing that I have a problem with is all this uh, 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 committees that these governors are all on uh, on the on the telephone every day with somebody else, another governor that's coming up with another brainstorm, and then next thing you know, they institute the whole thing in every state because that governor thinks that's going to work for their state. And, uh, you know, pretty soon we'll have California throughout the whole United States. Jesus, that's fucking scary. And, and that's, well, that's exactly what's happening. we got a governor here in Nevada, Sisolak, uh, that's come out with stuff that, you know, the only way that he would have, you hear it in New York, you hear it in California, and then you hear it here. Um, when they're talking about the golf courses, uh, he had already shut down the golf courses here, and California did it before we did it. Hmm. Well, okay, but then what happened was they shut those down, but what did they do next? The golf courses said, fine, we're going to shut down, they did, and then next thing you know, they allowed their members golfing for free. Ah. So they go <coughs> out, I mean, the parade of the uh, which, elites. Which I don't even get, because... Uh, golfing is one of those things where it's a, it really is, you know, a... Well, if you golf with me, you're going to want to be a minimum of six feet away from me anyway. I'm well, just it saying. It doesn't matter because even even when you're golfing, you know, it, it's kind of like, I, I, you know, I do fishing. I like going fishing, okay? When you go fishing, you're about six feet away from, you know, someone you go fishing with anyways, unless you're in a boat, okay? <laughs> The only way I've ever gone fishing was in a boat, and there was a lot of beer involved. So, well, <laughs> if you're if you're fishing from land, you're about six feet away from you know your partner or your buddy you're fishing with, anyways. It's the same way if you're golfing. Okay, I'm not a golf expert. I don't really know, but from what I've seen from people on golf courses, driving by them in my truck, um, you see that people are 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 keeping their distance from each other, you know, when you're, you're golfing, someone's not right up on you and saying, you know, talking about, you know, maybe things that's going on in your, you know, personal life. But, I mean, I, I don't see why to close down golf courses, why it's a big deal. Uh, well, part of the thing, and, and I'm just going to throw this out there, because being somebody that does golf on occasion and enjoys golfing, um, their big concern here was 
Everybody's touching the flag when they take it out of the hole so they can putt. Everybody's reaching in the hole to grab their golf ball. You know, there's the ball <laughs> washers. I mean, it's <laughs> if you don't golf, you're not going to get it. But no, there's a lot of there's a lot of areas of mutual contact when it comes to golfing. So I I can see that. But by the same token, there's also ways around all of that. Absolutely, that's what I'm. But you, but you don't, you don't have the six foot separation when you're both riding around, or four of you riding around in one cart. Well, that's that's where I will say, around here, all of the courses were one person per cart. That was the the rule. You can you can golf, but up until the county executive closed, I mean, you could golf, but it was one person per cart. Um, right. Which, you know, okay, yeah. that works. Yeah. We have we have towns around here that are the golf courses of uh, uh, they're, they're you know I mean like say the long uh, the long drive uh, is held in Mesquite, Nevada. That's a huge event. Mm-hmm. That's a worldwide event. Yeah. You know you have the senior games. You have all this other stuff going on, and all that stuff was canceled. The uh, state fair was canceled. Uh, the county fair was canceled. I mean there was so many events, uh, car shows. Uh, there were three major conventions, and we're talking big conventions, uh, somewhere around about 6,000 exhibitors that come into the Las Vegas Convention Center that were canceled. SEMA. Now, <laughs> yeah, the list goes on and on and on of stuff that's been canceled. Comic-Cons. Uh, and now being in a political year, too, that means campaigns are shut down. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly, but 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 the best thing is though, even though the campaigns are shut down, in a way, people are paying attention to see what these what what the candidates are doing during this COVID nineteen outbreak. Because, I mean, it, it, for example, look at Bernie Sanders; he dropped out. Um, well, that's because he knew he couldn't. Well, win. he knew he was going to win. <laughs> but you don't think people are looking at you know Joe Biden right now to see what things he's saying? Okay, um, and 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 they're looking at. Trump right now to see what he's doing and how he's trying to control this country and this outbreak. You know, I mean, that, that's a that's a that's the one thing I got to say is even though they're not campaigning uh, like they were, people are watching them. And you know, I I ain't gonna lie, I I do it too to see what President Trump is saying, and I look to see if Joe Biden's been out saying it, you know, been saying anything about you know Trump or anything like that. So I mean, even though the campaigning isn't going on, they're in a way they're they're kind of campaigning in a way that uh, you know they they uh, you know to work with this whole outbreak. But well, the thing the thing is is and, and this is from a campaign standpoint. Um, I'm on a uh, committee to uh, have a fellow. Uh, be elected as a congressman for one of the districts out here. And uh, his area involves rural, it involves parts of Las Vegas, parts of uh, southwest or the uh, northwest side of Las Vegas, Mm -hmm. and all the way up into about uh, 100 miles from Marino, and he's got to cover those areas. Now again, you know, for him to be out there driving around, he's not supposed to be out there. They've got a complete shutdown on the entire state. So yep. those people out there in the rurals, and we're talking about farmers, cattlemen, uh, you know, growers, uh, producers, they, for him to try to reach them and to have a one-on-one with them and find out what their concerns are, that's that's a real challenge. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, 
you know, it, it's it's like uh, a good example is out here Clark County. Uh, you know, when I lived in Onondaga County, you're talking 30 by 30 miles. Out here, Clark County is 122 miles by 120 miles. Wow. And you take that number of people and that number of miles, uh, you know, people go, well, how what's the speed limit out there? I'm going 75, 80. Yeah, because you got to go 120 miles to go from one end of the state to the other end of the state. It, it borders California, and on the other end, it borders uh, Arizona. Yep. That's the cut. That's, that's Clark County. And that's the county that Las Vegas is in. Uh, it goes all the way down to the uh, Colorado River, and then it borders up above uh, to uh, Nye County and Lincoln County. So, are, are you seeing are you seeing high numbers there in that county there for for the virus or no? Yeah, there, there's numbers here, but again, I still go back to those numbers can be just as bogus because yep. the fact that that. They don't have the test equipment for it. They come up with a number of how many deaths they had. Well, uh, give an example of Mesquite, Nevada. There was uh, three people that had died here. And virtually, they died of, of complications from it. But they're on the list. But how many people have got it and survived it? Probably about 56. That's, that's just in a small, small area of 20,000 people similar to Solid, you know. Yeah, our, so when you, when Onondaga County has, I think it's eight deaths so far? Nine, I think it was the uh-huh. other day. Was it, has it gone up to nine finally? I think it was up at nine right, last I heard this morning. Maybe that's what it is now. It might be nine today, but, uh, you know, I mean, as of yesterday it was eight, but who knows, there could be more today. Um, but again, like you said, you know, it's it's all depending on what the underlying conditions are. I mean, well, and that, that's the other thing is that, I, and this is going back to doing the deep dives into whose website, like the World Health Organization, is that almost every single death recorded that has been attributed to somebody being positive for COVID nineteen is somebody with significant underlying health issues. Not somebody that's, I mean, there was a, uh, just the other day I uh, shared an article about a 104-year-old veteran who recovered from COVID-19. Right. Because the man had no other health issues. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. I mean. He's just old, but he got through it. So it's like, it's not the death sentence that everybody wants you to think it is. You know, someone made a joke uh, uh, about, it was last month, and they said, you know, with all the deaths that are going on after this is all done and over, with, there's going to be a huge baby boom. Yeah, you're gonna in nine months. You're gonna start seeing kids named Corona and COVID and anyway <laughs> <laughs> and Quarantina. <laughs> I mean, and, and 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 the sad thing is, is and you know, you you kind of make you you kind of make sense of it. Is it something that the governments all together, you know? between, you know, our government and maybe China's government and, you know, work together to, to make this happen. Well, here's the thing, and I'm going to just kind of throw this out there for shits and giggles. Um, if you really look at, in the United States, look at the Democratic Party, and I'm not going to even take sides on this. This is just an observation. The Democratic Party has always been the proponent of social welfare and Medicaid. Now, 
If you get people of lower on the socioeconomic scale who are currently out of work because they're not technically essential employees, what are they going to do? They're going to make more kids to have more welfare and have more Medicaid. Bam. You got more voters for the Democrats. Unfortunately, you're so <laughs> true on that one. I mean, you know, Lisa, and I'm not even taking sides. That's Lisa and I, Lisa, well, no, no, because in a way, you're you're absolutely right. Because if you look, Lisa and I were talking about this today. Is I feel her and I both feel is the Democratic Party wants to sit there and try to you know even though they sit there and they tell you they're for the poor, they're you know they're they they're, they're, they're for the poor votes. Yeah, they're by giving they're them shit. You know, and she and we both feel that lately it's been they're doing it to keep us poor. Or keep the people poor, I should say, not not us. Um, and and it, it, instead of keeping them poor, why don't you look and finding ways to help them get off, you know, the welfare, the food stamps, the you know, public assistance, you know, and back, all this other back stuff. Back in the Great Depression, president came up with this program called the WPA the Work Program Authority, that put people to work that were out of work, gave them a basic wage, gave them food and shelter while they were working, and gave them skills that they could carry on to trades when it was done. Well, there'd be a good idea to see if it's actually still actually being used today. It's but not. if it's but if it's but if it's still in our constitution, if it's still written in our rules, no. but it's not being but it's it not was, being used. It was an emergency program that was put into place by Roosevelt, I think. I'm sorry, my American history of presidents is not great right now, but it was, um, I want to say it was Roosevelt, though, that did it. And, I mean, things like the Hoover Dam, um, things like, that was some of the, pro the interstate projects. I mean, a lot of these were projects that were done by people well, who... That's true. Well, you, you're, it yeah. probably was Roosevelt because the Great Depression was after World War Two. so, yeah. yeah, most likely it was well, Roosevelt, wasn't it? Was it was after World War One. Uh, because the no, it was twenty. It started in the late twenties, and um, World War Two was in the forties. True. But my grandfather was in World War Two, so I'm well aware when that would happen. <laughs> Mine was too. So don't feel bad. <laughs> Served underneath General George Patton. Oh. God, I would love to have him around so I could hear the stories if of that. You, if you take and think about this for a minute, number one, when we look back throughout time. Uh, the Civil War was fought over slavery. Yep. And slavery was controlling people. And if you look at the players of that time... Lincoln was a Republican. The ones that wanted to keep slavery in was the Democratic Party. Exactly. Exactly. Now, and that's why history is trying to be uh, repealed, removed, destroyed, uh, changed, whatever you want to call it, uh, so that it doesn't reflect the truth of the matter. Because the fact is today, what is slavery today but welfare? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is the same thing, controlled, controlling people, only giving them enough to get by with that they can't leave what they got. Absolutely. They don't have a, so they're getting just enough to live on. They're getting their free, all the free stuff that they want, at yep. least 
what they think they want, okay, but they can't get off the system. I've said for a while that what we need to look at is a is a welfare to work program that gives people the training and the skills and the knowledge they need to better themselves. Everybody gripes about raising the minimum wage, but here's the thing. Minimum wage was never intended to be a living wage. It was intended to be something for students making some extra money, uh, retirees making extra money, hell, even working stiffs making extra money. It was never intended to be a living wage. And if I would say, if you want more than minimum wage, have more than minimum skills. I'm, I'm trying to build a second career. And let me tell you, it ain't easy when you go from making, you know, 50, 60,000 a year, working 100 plus hours a week, by the way, um, to making, you know, under 30,000 a year. It, it sucks. But when you have to build back up, you have to build those skills does, and you can does, move on does, to better I'm things. actually doing the same thing actually right now that you're doing because I'm actually looking into changing my lifestyle from a trucker because there's no, you know, there's no advancement in it. There's no advancement in it anymore. And even if you go to New York State and say, "Hey, I want to go to schools or anything, any programs will help you," they'll accept their exact thing is, "Well, you have a career." Yeah. It's not a career anymore because what we're making now is almost minimum wage. Yep. And so now right. I'm looking at uh, where you know where Lisa's works. Because they have programs there where you could actually advance in the company, and they'll actually pay for your school to go get a master's. Hey, let me let me just illustrate this whole thing a little bit more. Um, several years ago, when the whole fight for fifteen business was going on, I was working full time. I was a level three EMT in New York State, which is one step below paramedic. And to to really boil it down to the super simplest way to put it paramedics had a few more narcotics they could give and they had pediatric skills that was the big difference that's a very oversimplification before anybody gets pissy about it but that the basic we they walked were in, in we walked into uh, my partner and i went to mcdonald's to grab some food and they're all out front picketing with their fight for 15 and the one guy looks at me he goes you know, you you got to help support us. You we need we need to fake fifteen. To, I looked at him. I said, dude, I make twelve fifty a fucking hour to save lives. You're flipping fucking burgers. If you want to make more money, get a better fucking skills, have a better fucking job. You know, I that that's the fucked up part is that people don't realize that. You know, it's not about give me more money. It's about have the skills that earn you more money, and then you can move forward. You know, this, this going, whole gimme, gimme, gimme is getting real old. All right. Going back to that work idea, uh, you know, when in the uh, early, early 90s, um, I was working for a 501c3 there in Syracuse, and uh, uh, I was overseeing probably around 60 people at the time, and we had a work program that we brought in and virtually we didn't pay anything uh, and these people came in and once in a while you'd get a real good guy and so I had this one fellow that was recommended by three other people that we would take and bring him in and uh, uh, hire him well I made him the offer that we could hire him and the next day I got a call from his caseworker and got reamed out for even offering him a position 
because he was into he was in a program that was a work program. Now the work program had no plans or any idea that they would ever get these people hired because they were on welfare. They had their medical taken care of. In fact, he had car insurance that was paid by them. They gave him gasoline money to get there. They sponsored a car for him, and that was it. He had his housing paid for, all that stuff, and I was told, don't you ever offer these people any kind of jobs or we will dissolve the program for your 501c3. You'll never see workers again. Wow. Let me guess. It probably led by a bunch of Democrats. <laughs> well, it was in Syracuse, so I don't know. I almost well, guarantee it. Oh, God. Yeah, that's... Cause, yeah. Uh, that that right there is the ultimate illustration of the biggest problem this country has. And we've gotten Correct. to the point where we don't want to see people advance. And that's the problem. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I fight for everything I get. And I go out there and I make sure I learn more. And I'm actually... I'm looking at going back to school as it, as you know as we speak and you know improving myself so I can make the kind of money I want to be making. You know I'm not going to sit here and ask tell somebody they need, need to pay me more. I mean, yes, in my job before I closed, I would bust my my boss's balls and tell him I was doing the work of two people, which I was, and he should pay me more. But you know it's not. I, I'm not going to sit there and protest that I'm not making enough money. No, if I need to make more money, I will improve my skills so I can earn more money. And, and, and that's the thing. That's what I'm looking at to myself because, you know, I mean, yeah, I make 17 an hour, but the problem is, is when minimum wage is going to be 15 an hour and I'm making only $2 more an hour and I had to bust my ass to get a CDL license, mm-hmm. you know. And, <laughs> Trust and, me, EMT class is no fucking joke. No, oh, no. <laughs> I, I'm not, I, I'm not, not going to trust me. Oh. I know. I'm a, I'm, you got to remember, I'm an ex-firefighter. Yeah, I mean, I, and here's the funny thing is... This week, I've actually heard from some friends I haven't talked to in quite some time and uh, that still work in the business, and one of them actually said to me, listen, Jim, you've got 24 years. We need people like you to come back because we're so short-staffed right now with everything. They, and they're talking like 20 bucks an hour to start as a basic EMT with instant recertification. All I do is walk in, take the take the written test, they score it right there, do a hands-on test, they score it right there. If I pass everything, boom, here's your card. The ink's still wet. Be careful and uh, have a nice day. You know, and it's, um, I just, I can't go back to it, though. I, it was time for me to get out when I got out. But, I mean, it, it's... I think... It's interesting. I say it's just interesting to see where the attitudes are going now. Right. I think this that you know I feel since moving out away from the Syracuse Onondaga County area, I was born, raised there, had businesses there, um, and I came back from a cruise, and I have automatically called up my accountant, and I had met two people. Uh, two guys from Australia and I said boy what a beautiful country and they just raved on about it I said what's bad about it and they said what's bad about it is the taxes and I said okay I said what are your taxes 50% of our gross earnings and I said 50% he said yeah could you imagine making 60,000 and having to live on 30,000 I said wow that's just incredible 
So anyway, as soon as I got back home, I called my accountant and I said, look, I said, where am I at with my taxes? And because at the time I had a company running, I also did a 40-hour week job. Uh, plus I had another uh, company that was in the process of uh, going down and another one coming up. And uh, we had equipment on the road that was paying road taxes, all the rest. Uh, he said to me, Nick, he said, to be honest, he said, you're approaching 67% of your gross earnings. Damn. Our tax. And he said, when you stop and look at your house tax, your property tax, you know, the property tax, mm -hmm. he said, then look at all the road taxes you're paying. Look at the taxes you pay on your phone bill. Look at the taxes you're paying the state. Look at the tax you're paying on the, on the federal end. Uh, when you get all done, all the, uh, you know, different uh, fees and stuff that were involved, every, even your license actually is a tax on the car, besides your, your highway taxes for diesel and stuff like that, because I had diesel equipment, and uh, the road tax that we had to file every quarter. So mm -hmm. all those taxes came out to that, that area, and I was like, oh my gosh, well, I lived in a house that was uh, 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 taxed at uh, almost 7000 and it was assessed at $60,000. Well, 7000 a year for set for 10 years would have been 70000 The house wasn't worth it. Fair point. Absolutely. So, so now I come out to Nevada, got a shell shock of a house, uh, and virtually the house, the house when I bought it was over four hundred thousand, and uh, you know I'll die in it, and it'll, the bank will own it uh, because there's no way I can pay this thing off. But I'm paying sixteen hundred dollars a year on it in full taxes. Damn, damn! I gotta get out of New York. <laughs> and so you look at that. There's no state income tax. So if you do decide to do something, you're not paying a state tax, whatever that is. I just sold a piece of property that basically divorced me from New York here last year, and I had to pay taxes on, uh, not on the, not also the property, but I had to pay taxes on the uh, filing and the, uh, uh, what's the tax, the, uh, uh, oh. oh gosh. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I'm trying to think of it now. For the profits. Yes. And uh, I had to pay that before they'd even allowed the, the, the actual deed to be filed. And I was for the state of New York, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Talk about wanting to get your money and get out, you know, to, to be able to uh, transfer a piece of property. And uh, out here, in fact, I can tell you this. When it came time to buy this house, I put in a purchase offer. And uh, I, I was ready to move in in seven days. That's how fast they move out here. Damn. We're definitely uh, in the wrong state. You don't deal with lawyers out here like you do in New York to buy a place. Virtually, you get a note from the bank, guarantees your funds, that you're, you're able to uh, buy a property for that amount. And uh, it goes to a title company. And uh, seven days, you get a notice after you sign your papers and stuff. You get a notice that are you ready to move in? You get handed the keys and you're in the house. Damn, I am in the How wrong state. How crazy is that? 
Yeah, I am definitely <coughs> on the wrong damn state. Holy shit. The, um... Of course, whatever happens in Las Vegas stays on... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well... I could definitely live there. <laughs> I better shut up. My wife might come down here and hear me. Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Every time I hear you know, Vegas, all I can think is CSI, though, to be quite honest. <laughs> you know, and, and you look at all this stuff, I can open my so, brothel that I want to open. There you go. Yeah, we'll put you up in Crump, Nevada. That isn't too far away. It's about an hour outside of Vegas. <laughs> in fact, uh, if you have a motorcycle, once or well, twice a year, they actually have a brothel run, and it'll show you where they're all at, if you don't know. Well, Damn. <laughs> I need to move and I need to be another motorcycle. Special? Uh, I've been uh, with uh, Hoff, Dan Hoff. Uh-huh. Okay, well, that place is, in fact, I was there. I, I, we had a motorcycle run up there, and uh, I was there, and I saw the truck, and I go, oh, my gosh, this is the place. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. The truck was parked there. <laughs> the wife didn't know, right, that you were, you were doing the brothel run, did she? Oh, yeah, she knew. She knew. Uh, and I even told her the girls wanted to sit on the bike and get their picture taken on the bike and stuff. And, you know, I told them all fine and dandy. She goes, then what? I said, well, then I brought the alcohol out, waited the seat off, and went on the rest of the ride. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, we're in the wrong um, state, Jim. we got to move to Las Vegas. Oh. I've been, I, well, yeah, you can, you can, you, the weather's so great out here, you could ride 12 months out of the year. The only time you have a problem is when the heat comes on, so you get what they call a thermal jacket, and uh, virtually it's loaded with uh, wet uh, water, and uh, it's like air conditioning going down the road. Nice. And you don't have to have a helmet yeah. there either. I would still wear a helmet. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, oh you do now? Yes, you do. <laughs> I was going to say, I would still wear a helmet even if it was optional because I've seen what happens when you wipe on a bike. I have picked when up a you few wipe, of those. When you wipe on a bike. Yeah, I have picked up a few of those over the years, and you will never catch me on a bike without a helmet. Oh, hell no. <laughs> you know, i got to tell you this. When I worked at the hospital, and I used to park my motorcycle out on the uh, ambulance entrance, and uh, right coming into the ER, and... Uh, doctor one day came over to me and he said uh, Nick how fast you go on that I said well I said I've been up over 100 miles an hour with it it's a touring bike and he goes you know he says uh, typically anything over 40 miles an hour you're considered dead he said do you always wear your helmet don't you and I said yeah he said you know that's a good thing and I said why is that he said well it saves EMTs from sponging you up <laughs> After 40 miles an hour. Yeah, although, you know, I will say this. I did go to one where we had to retrieve the head with the, or the helmet with the head still in it from uh, a ways away from the body. That was not a fun oh, one. Oh, yeah, that'll... That's a given thing. You know, you're dead after 40 miles an hour, so you might as well take it for the gusto and ride it 100. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That's where, that's where it comes into COVID-19, where we started from. You don't fear death after you ride a motorcycle anymore. It's a natural given thing. Well, I was, I was joking, but I said, you know, I made it through the HIV epidemic. I made it through... Uh, swine flu, SARS, and the original opioid epidemic back in the 90s. And uh, I made it through all that as an EMT. And I said, you know what, that's why I, I probably don't stress over this one quite so much as people think I should. But 
I, um, I, mean, I don't, I don't I'm not much stressed over it because the only thing I do is go to work and come home, and I don't do anything else. Chris, I mean, today I went fishing, but. Yeah. I mean, I wash my hands regularly. I sanitize my hands regularly if I can't wash them. I mean, that's just, you know, it's second nature for me from so many years. But, you know, it, it's, like I said, here's and the really messed up part is the, the people wearing gloves. That just... The, oh, my God, we made a joke about that today. What the hell was that? The stupid shit I see with gloves, and then the littering of gloves. That's the other thing that pisses oh, yeah. me off. My, um, my, my, Lisa spoke up and said today, if I, can, if I can remember exactly how she said it. Let me see. Let me, let me try, try to remember here. She said something about wearing latex gloves, and people are wearing the same gloves hours on hours touching everything. Mm-hmm. It's like wearing a fucking... Uh, use condom. You might as well just not wash your hands and just not wear gloves at that point. Because yeah, uh, exactly, she said it's right. literally like wearing. It's like wearing a used condom. And now you go to the store, you wear your gloves, you pick through the stuff on the shelf, you grab yourself. Somebody calls you, you answer your phone with those gloves on, put it up to your face. Bam! You just totally invalidated the whole fucking thing. I went up today to Dollar. I went up today to Dollar General. Yep. I had to get a few things uh, for tomorrow. Yep. Since you know tomorrow's Easter. Um, and we're walking through the uh, one aisle, and you, of course you know the aisles up there; they're really small. They're yeah. tight. You can only you're lucky if you can get two carts down it. I'm, I'm happy I can fit through those aisles, and I'm not that big. <laughs> exactly. Um, and the one manager, uh, you know who, who I'm talking about there. She's the only manager that's there. Yeah. The she, elder, older woman. She's probably maybe in her fifties or sixties, and. No, I'm saying, uh, no, 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 I'm just saying that's about her age. Um, I wasn't saying anything bad. Uh, she literally was standing in front of the light bulbs, and we had to get light bulbs for one of our lights down here. Actually, blew the one over our uh, washer and dryer. Yep. And she literally looked, and she goes, and I'm trying to look at the bulbs, and I'm probably maybe three feet from her. And she, like, I thought at first she was joking. Um, and she wasn't joking. She was like, oh, don't, don't you know? Come on, guys. Don't you know there's a six-foot, you know, distance between us? Oh, then get the fuck out of my way. Then get the hell out of my goddamn way. Like, don't, be, money. don't be fucking rude about it. Like, she's like, well, if I get sick, you know, this place is going to close down and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, well, then maybe you shouldn't be working then if you're so worried about it. Yeah, people are passing on their fears and trying to put people in fear. I, I'm going to actually do I'm going to go a, a quick shout out is um, involved here. The biggest thing, we're talking about fear of death. And as a society, I find it to be very intriguing that societally we have a, a huge fear of death and everything that surrounds it. There is a YouTube channel uh, called Ask a Mortician. And She's been going since 2000 for like nine years now. 2011, she started it, and she's actually a licensed mortician in California. And it's interesting because she actually points out all the ways to normalize death so that it's not a big scary thing, and and shares a ton of information about how to deal with it when somebody passes and all that. And it, it's I think more people should be watching that because once you understand that it's not something to be afraid of. And it's just something that naturally happens. You know, I think it would, you know, a lot of people would live much better lives once they understood that. <laughs> sure. Exactly. I agree 100%. 
but oh, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's the vape. Yeah, probably is the vape. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Allergies, oh, shit, not COVID. coronavirus. God damn it. <laughs> Allergies, not COVID. Oh, but so I think we're about to yeah we're about done because we gotta yep I think we've been on the on the show now for what uh, hour and a half hour and a half almost two hours <laughs> so I want I want to quick do a flashback and thank Vicky for coming Victoria sorry for coming on the air to talk about uh, Diamond Dolls and how they're work how they've adjusted their business model and what they're doing to get through this and. Uh, if you guys are in the Syracuse area and you're looking for food, I, you know, they've got a good reputation for food. I would definitely recommend them. Uh, we will throw a link to them up on our Facebook page as well. And uh, Nick, thank you very much for you know, for being on as well. We appreciate your input there. Uh, nice to have the conversation with you about all that, and then where we went from there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it was great. Uh, Nick, we'll leave you on the phone office. I know you wanted to talk to Jim uh, about uh, a few things too, because uh, I know we yeah. talked the other day. So we'll keep you on the phone real fast for after this. I'll wrap this up. Um, but uh, yeah, I want to really thank you for uh, you know being on the show and you know being a part of our you know our wonderful fun here at uh, BJ and Coffee. Um, you know, it's been a great time and. You know, I I want to I want to I want to just say real fast. I want to uh, wish all my all of our listeners a very happy Easter. I'm actually I was um, going to I was going to. Oh, I do that. have one more update. Um, since this is dropping tomorrow morning, sometime, I do have an update real fast on Tiger King. Yes. Um, there is a, they are going prime time. Uh, they're doing an hour long special on Fox tomorrow night. Uh, I believe it starts at 9 Eastern, uh, so, you know, catch that on Fox. So if all your listeners want to catch up what's going on with Tiger King, I guess there'll be an hour episode on Fox. So I'm going to wish all of our listeners a happy Easter. Uh, let's see, we're also going to say happy Passover if you're Jewish, uh, happy Ramadan if you're Muslim, um, happy, got Ostara for our pagan followers, and I think I covered pretty much everything that we've got this time of year. <laughs> I think I got everybody there. Um, but yeah, you know, and here's the thing, folks. Shit, you know, shit's going on right now. We get that. But it doesn't mean you have to sit still and do nothing. This is an awesome time to sit down and really take a good look at your life and figure out what it is you need to change to be awesome. Because we've all got that potential. And I know I say it every week, but I'm going to say it again, is that Take the time to look at yourself, see what changes you can make in your life to achieve that awesome potential that you have, and just do fucking amazing things with your life, because we have faith in you, and we know you can do it. So, thank you again for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll catch you all next week, and uh, that's have a great week! There we go. <laughs> That'll wrap it up for this week. We'll catch you on the next one.